0: have been talking about the excellent culture, the excellent culture, and we have come very far. As a matter of fact, the excellent culture itself is uh, a sub under the main Jesus culture. In other words, I'm speaking about the life that a believer should live when they actually come into Christ. The expected life of the believer, which is An excellent life. So we started with an acronym. And the acronym is simple. Word. So you are defined by the word. You live by the word. It gives you the boundaries. Which you have to do. Or what you don't have to do. Who you are in Christ. What Christ came to do. The inheritances of the believer. You must know all of these. And it will help you exercise your spirit. To live the life God wants you to live. And then you must live the life of evangelizing the gospel, evangelism. So W-E, evangelism. Every believer, that first day you are born again, you get into evangelizing and speaking well about Christ. What well about Christ are you going to speak? About how Christ died and resurrected and saved life. Forgive all sins and all debts were paid. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And he gave eternity to mankind. This is your mandate. And you have the message. So you take it right away to everybody that needs to know. And so they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. All right. So he asks them to receive the life that Christ has given. And then S, you live the spirit life. You're no more led by yourself. You are led by the spirit of God. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you are led by the spirit of God. T divine timing. You live by the timings of God. You don't do things because people said so. You don't do things because you feel so. You do things because you are instructed And led by the spirit of God to do so. So you know that the spirit leads you from within. The inner witness impresses upon you things that God wants you to do. And if you're a sheep, you know the shepherd's voice. When he speaks, you hear him. It's as simple as that. It's not dramatic. It's not anything that is so, um, 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 No, it's something that is very simple. He just talks to you sometimes you hear him in your own voice. And it's just an amazing because he brings peace to your soul, peace to your spirit. Okay. Now you live a life of thanksgiving. Jean, you live a life of thanksgiving, a life of giving. That is the life the believer lives because everything that we do is because we have already been giving. Okay, so Christ is giving us and out of everything that Christ has given us, we give to him. So we live a life of thanksgiving, all right? So our lives are an outpouring of thanksgiving unto the Lord in every area. So your money is not yours. Your life is not yours. Everything you have is already his and you're just thanking him as an opportunity Forgiving, So you live the life of stewardship, and that is the life the believer lives, okay? And then you talk about the E, which is the excellent culture, okay? The excellent culture, and that's what we are on now, and we've come very far, all right? We actually decided, we actually started speaking about the excellent culture um, that the word aderh, is used in the Hebrew, and the word um, uh, diaphora is used in the Greek. Uh, what it means is that great, honorable, majestic, and then in the New Testament, diaphora, what it actually talks about is, is that somebody who's standing out, varied. But then, what the word speak to is the fact that you must be of God. You must be of God. So, anytime you hear the word excellent, you must be very careful that you, you understand it's not a circular word. It is not a circular word. It's a word that comes out of scripture. The etymology of the word is that something that radiates God's beauty. So you can see something that looks very beautiful on the outside. Okay? Looks very radiant on the outside. Look glorious, orderly, structured on the outside. But it is if it is not from God, you don't call it excellent. You don't call it excellent. Excellent must be from inside out. It's not from outside in. Okay. And that should be, I mean, uh, uh, noted. So it's a life that you live because that's the perfect spirit that God made you with. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the excellent spirit. That's why the name of Jesus is the excellent name. And the ministry of Jesus is the excellent ministry. Okay. So by the spirit of Jesus in you... Perfected, everything wonderful, you live that life. How do you exercise yourself to live the life that you have been giving already in perfection, in the wonderful state, in the best state? How do you live that life? We said you have to go by the word. Number two, you have to pray and pray in the spirit. Number three, you have to fast. It's very important. You don't, fast bec- you don't fast because you need something. <laughs> you don't fast because you're asking for forgiveness. You don't fast because uh, you want power. No. Or you want God to accept you. No. You fast for devotion. You fast so that you will lead you into consecration. So that you can treat and call what has already God has already called holy, holy. Okay? You can treat and call what God has already called holy, holy. Okay, and that's why you fast. You fast so that you can gain full attention on him. All right, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay, so when the believer fast, you fast to renew, 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 regaze, refocus. Give your full attention to him so that he can direct you. He can tell you what to do. You can hear clearly, okay, from all the distractions of life. So you starve your body To exercise your spirit. Now the next thing we are going to talk about. That you do to exercise your spirit. So you can live the excellent life. Is church. Church. What we call the fellowship of the brethren. Church. Our fellowship with one another. So church. And this is one of the things that the enemy uses to steal most of us. Okay, and he denies us from exercising our spirit in this way for which uh, God himself by Christ has created for us to exercise our spirit. Okay, fellowshipping one with another. How does church services help in the exercise of the spirit unto the excellent life? Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. We're reading from the New King James Version. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, we all know this encounter regarding When Jesus would ask, who do men say that I am? And they said all sorts of things and then he came to them, what do you say? And Peter out of a revelation said that you are Christ, the son of the living God. Now, I want you to carefully note this, that Peter caught the revelation but he didn't understand exactly what he was saying. All right, He actually spoke right now that you are Christ. But he didn't know what the Christ was coming to do. And how the Christ was going to bring out or call out believers. Okay, So he just said that you are the Christ. And the Christ must die. And the Christ must resurrect. For man to be called out. For believers to be called out. But Peter didn't know that. So you realize that right after. This particular verse, Jesus started speaking about how he was going to die, suffer and resurrect the third day. And Peter said, no, 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 you can't die. Because he spoke the revelation, but did he didn't understand the revelation. And that's why some of us must be very careful. The fact that you caught a revelation doesn't mean you have a full understanding of that revelation. And so you must not just run with things you just catch. No, make sure you understand the full import of what God is saying, what it means. And so you can then now run with it and practice what God said to practice in the way that he wants it done. Okay, so here you are, Peter, called the revelation. And Jesus said, you are Peter. In other words, you are a stone. Peter means stone, small stone. On this rock, on this truth that I am Christ, he said, I will build my church. On the truth you just spoke, on the revelation you just spoke, The church will be called out. Now, the church here is not the gathering. The church here is not the assembling. No, the church here has to do with the called out ones. How believers are going to be called out. They're going to be called out by Christ defying death. And that's why he says the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. In other words, death will not prevail against me calling out the believers. So I will die. When I die, I will call them out. Praise God. So we came out by the resurrection. He defied death to call us out because he had the price had to be paid to the father. All right. So that's exactly what he was talking about. So the church here means the called out ones. But then Jesus will speak to the gathering as well in Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17. Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17. All right? Okay. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, the first word that indicates a gathering or a family is that if your brother. So Jesus is right now just connoting that you and I are brothers and sisters. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, in what context is he saying this? He says. If, you, if he hears you, you have gained your brother. <laughs> but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Tell it to the gathering. Tell it to the whole family. Tell it to the whole assembly or make sure that what he actually is talking about here is that let the eldest of the church. When he says the church, he was talking about the gathering, the elders of the church within the gathering or the assembling of the church. Okay, so by if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So right from here, we can realize that Jesus sees the church and the gathering as very important. That the called out ones will be part of a gathering, will be part of a family, will be part of an assembly. And where cases like this will be heard so that the family will not be divided. So you can see how the body is so crucial to Jesus. In that, The first thing he speaks about when uh, when Peter would ask how many times they should forgive and he would tell them that he should forgive 70 times 7. Then he comes straight to speak to the structure that should be with the gathering or the assembly of believers. Okay, so for those who think that church is man's own imaginations and and that we have decided to, to build a certain structure for ourselves. And anytime people talk about church these days, all they talk about is money or they are just taking money from the people. Church is not important. Church is what has made Africa poor. And all of those statements is because they don't understand It is because they don't understand. And the fact that somebody abuses a structure doesn't mean the structure itself is bad. Okay. So Jesus himself instituted the church, the local church. Okay. And he actually, even before his death, spoke to the fact that cases of division must be addressed in the church. Number one, it should be private. If somebody does something to you within the church, you should be able to go to the pressing and you both talk it out. You both talk it out. Don't let anybody else hear it. And when you're able to come to an agreement, let it end there. That's it. If still things are not going the way it must, add two or three people who are matured, let them talk about it with the pressing. If still the person doesn't agree, make sure that the church elders know about it. If still the person doesn't agree, then he says, treat the person like an unbeliever. Somebody who doesn't have understanding to the concept of church. In other words, you and I are brothers and nothing should be able to divide us. So no matter what the issue is, it must be solved. They must have repentance, change of mind, and forgive and let go. Now, all of these I have spoken about happened before Jesus died to resurrect. Now, I'm going to speak to you after the post-resurrection. Matthew 28, 16. Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples, why is he saying 11? Because Judas is no more. So he must tell you that this was after. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Which Jesus had appointed for them. So Jesus appointed to the disciples a place of meeting. And that's why every believer should find the place where Jesus is taught, where they can be students of Jesus so that they would learn of him. Okay, so he appointed them a place and they met him there after his resurrection. Now look at Luke 24, 49. Luke 24, 49. I'm still reading from the New King James Version. Behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you have endued you are endued with power from on high praise God so he gave them a place an appointed place where they met and then he told them Tarry in the city. So you can see that Jesus is speaking instructively and very specific. First, a place, which is the mountain. Secondly, in the city. Tarry here. Wait here. Don't do anything. And you can see that all of these are not suggestions. They are not proposals. They are instructions. So Jesus instructed the disciples. He instructed the apostles. He told them exactly what they must do specifically. Acts chapter 1, 14 to 15. Acts chapter 1, 14 to 15. This is Luke again because Luke is the writer of Acts. So it's a continuation of the thought and the concept of what the gathering of believers looks like and what it is. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. These all, these all continued with one accord in prayer. And supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of them. And altogether, the number of the names was about 120. I was amazed at this. Jesus gave them the instruction. Tarry here. He appointed to them a place. And all of them waited in prayer and in togetherness until the moment. So they waited Until the moment in prayer. Not one of them. And look at the characters that are spoken of here. Even Jesus. His mother. Was there. Together with his brothers. I'm sure they would have caused a lot of problems. To the church. After all I am the mother. After all I am his brother. But all of them. Obeyed the instruction. To be in church, to be in the gathering of the believers. None of them said, well, I want to meet at my home. I I want to meet at at Agbubulushi. I want to meet at Kaswa. No, all of them heeded to the instruction they were giving. And they didn't do it just with obligation. The Bible said categorically they did it with one accord, one heart. One mind. They were striking the same chord. That's the word accord. They were striking the same chord. In other words, they were making melody. (laughs) They were going together. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Amazing. Acts twelve, twenty four. What was the effect? Acts twelve, twenty four, we see the effect. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew and multiplied. And so it's quite erroneous. So erroneous that, I mean, somebody would say they love Jesus and yet they hate the church. How can you love the head of the church and hate the church. It is the head of the church that gave these instructions regarding the gathering. So how do you love the head of the church? And even when unbelievers are speaking against the church, you join them to speak against the church. As if it is useless to gather as believers. Meanwhile, that was the pattern. Now, listen to me very carefully. For a believer, you don't do things because they are popular. You don't just do things because that is what is invoked. You do things because there is a pattern and you go according to the pattern. And that is key We don't do things because we want to do them. They had excuses. I'm sure it will be thousand and one not to meet together. But Jesus told them because he has the understanding of what the church should be. Remember, when he wrote to them regarding what was happening in the seven churches in Revelations, he told them exactly what they were doing right and what they were doing wrong. So you don't have the blueprint of what the church should be. And I find it so amazing how haters of church will now tell us how to do church. People who are not part of the family and they don't understand what a believer, who a believer is, what church should be, are now telling the church how church should be run. One of the major signs of a believer who is backsliding is the believer who forsakes the gathering of the church. Because the assembling of the saints is not an option. It is an instruction. Acts chapter 1 verse 2 and 3. I'm sure there are so many things that will be coming to you regarding our gathering together. Acts chapter 1 verse 2 to 3. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them, During 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Watch this. So when Jesus resurrected, the scripture we just read spoke to the fact that Jesus would go to where the believers are. And where he had told them to gather and he will speak to them. He would teach them concerning the things of the kingdom. Why didn't Jesus go to them personally in their homes? So he would visit this one, tell him the things of the, 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 the teach them about the things of the kingdom. Uh, go to James and, and tell James about the things of the kingdom. And then he would go to, to, to Peter and tell Peter about the things of the kingdom. Why didn't Jesus do that? Because Jesus knows that the moment he did that, they would personalize the message. And the reason why the message is being personalized today is because we are not speaking from the assembly the one truth. When the one truth is given, everybody goes out with the same interpretation. I mean, who told us that when God speaks, he's confused so that he said one thing and it means one thing to somebody else and then it means another thing to another person. No, when God speaks, he speaks with one intention and that truth must be decoded by the one who is listening. And so when you don't understand that the message is a message that is filled with one truth, and when that one truth is not known, it is false doctrine, it is false interpretation, it is false understanding, and therefore it becomes like the devil's doctrine, you would not understand why you need to go to church, you need to go to the gathering of the believers so that you are taught the word, so that you have an understanding to the truth, so that each one of us will be saying the same thing as God said it to be. Hebrews chapter 10 19 to25 Hebrews 10:19 to25 Hebrews 10:19 to25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled From an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water is not just the pure water you know is the word. 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. To stir up kindness, helping one another in good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. So this thing started way back. Not forsaking how we can hold fast the confession of our faith is that we consider one another and stare one another in love? The love of Christ and show one another kindness. So when the body meets, when the brethren meets, should I say the sistering? When we meet, we are stirred up together in the love of Christ and in showing one another kindness. And so the weak is brought along and they come at par with the strong. And the strong is able to see the weak and they will lift them up to themselves and say, we are all going together. None is left behind. What a mystery. But then it has so much power. The church is meant to be the equalizer. It is the place. That we are all meant to come together. To be stirred up in the love that Christ has shown us. And we show that love one to another. And he says, for some who don't understand this, they always miss out. So you can be a lone ranger as a believer. It is like a team sport. It is not a one-man sport. No. We're supposed to be a team. We rally together. We go together. And we are a family. And some of the things I'm going to share with you, you're going to just be surprised because we have made the church what it is not. But exalting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exalting one another in the word, in the doctrines of Christ. I will speak to all of that. As you see the day approaching, reminding yourself of the consciousness of him. Deepening your conviction. Deepening consecration. So your commitment to him is unflinching. Nothing ceases to seize That passion, that pursuit, that priority. That Christ every day, every time, every moment becomes our goal, our objective. We don't lose focus easily because we keep staring ourselves together. Staring ourselves together. Staring ourselves together. So the focus is always there. Praise God. Look at 1 John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 2 to 10. We're really going to go through this, and I want each one of us to pay attention. 1 John 1, 2 to 10. But I'm going to be taking them in pieces. Christ was alive when the world began. Yet I myself have seen him with my own eyes and listened to him speak. This is John, the apostle, who is speaking. And so he's telling us that he was an eyewitness to Christ. I have touched him with my own hands. He is God's message of life. This one who is life from God has been shown to us and we guarantee that we have seen him. I am speaking of Christ who is eternal life. Praise God. He was with the father and then was shown to us. Again, I say, we are telling you about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard. You can see the emphasis of the eyewitness account. In other words, there is a pattern. And so it's not everybody who can share this. And therefore, because we are eyewitnesses and he told us specifically who we are, what to do and how to do we are speaking to you so we are speaking to you because we have been mandated as eyewitnesses of this account so we are telling you as it is and hence he was actually emphasizing that he was an eyewitness Let's continue. Again, I say, we are telling you about what we ourselves have seen and heard. So that you may share the fellowship. You may share the fellowship. The word fellowship there is the word koinonia. Koinonia. And you see it a couple of times there. And the joy We have with the Father and with Jesus Christ, his son. He's not talking about two personalities who are different. All he's talking about is that we share fellowship with the Father because now we are in Christ. And so when we share fellowship with the Father, it's because we share fellowship with Christ who did the work by whom we are identified. That's why if you read Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. I'll continue with 1 John. Look at the reference in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. We have been made holy by Jesus now. We have been made holy by Jesus. Now we have the same father he has. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers. You get the understanding now. So that's exactly what John is saying. That Jesus has become our brother. And because Jesus is our brother, the father is our father too. So we have the same father with Jesus. Because now, we and Jesus are brothers. Praise God. And so we share fellowship. The fellowship there means common. We have one common One common stuff. One common stuff. Common. It it, it is now common to all of us. What belongs to everyone? What belongs to us? We share fellowship. Now the father, we share fellowship with the father. The father, just as the father belongs to Jesus, now the father also belongs to us. And we share fellowship together. Somebody will say we are fellows in the same shape. And if you do, as I say in this letter, then you too will be full of joy, and so will we. So he's saying, your obedience to what I'm sharing is key, so that the fellowship that we have will be real. And when that fellowship is real, your joy is my joy. No, 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 no why is their joy our joy? Or why is our joy their joy? Because we are brothers. Because we share the common father. And because we share the father and we are brothers, you see that in a family, the joy of your brother, the joy of your sister is your joy. This is the message God has given us to pass to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if we say we are his friends but go on living in spiritual darkness and sin, we are lying. But if we are living in the light of God's presence just as Christ does, then we have wonderful fellowship And joy with each other. And the blood of Jesus his son. Cleanses us from every sin. Oh my word. And so look at what he's saying here. John is saying that we share common father. And in the father that all of us share. There is no darkness in him. There is no sin in him. And and, and and so, because there is no sin in the Father, and we share fellowship with him, Christ Jesus, who we share, who actually did the work of redemption, for whom we share this fellowship with, takes away every sin, cleanses away every sin. So, just as the Father is light, in the commonality of fellowship we are also light and therefore because of this fellowship we share our sins are not accounted to us our sins are not hit against us our sins are not used against us because of the fellowship we share the power of the fellowship is what has now given you and I that opportunity To live as a light to the world. Until that fellowship was done. We don't have a place. And our lives were heading towards somewhere else. But thank God that today we share fellowship with Christ. And our fellowship is with the Father. And there's one commonality. The blood. When the blood cleanses our sins. We live in that fellowship. And we share that fellowship gloriously. Because. Christ has done the work for us. Our fellowship endorses the work of redemption. That these are the called out ones that he shed the blood for. And they are gathered together in the light of the finished work of the cross. And they are meeting as a family. Of the lighted ones that brings glory to the Father. Praise God. Praise God. So look at what he says in 8. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. Look at the next. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this. Why? For because Christ died to wash away our sins. Praise God for fellowship. It is accounted to us because of the fellowship. And if we claim we have no sin, we are lying. And calling God a liar. For he says we have sinned. So it is the common father we have. In Christ Jesus. That our sins are not imputed against us. And that is why when we read in Matthew 18. He actually told them that when the guy. Who is offended in the church. Decides not to forgive. He doesn't understand their fellowship. And that's why you must treat him like an unbeliever. Because this fellowship came together because somebody let go. Because somebody decided to forego everything and let go and bring together to himself not because of what we have done good is because of what he shared for us now we have become partakers of the heavenly call the heavenly things because he let go and that's why the body cannot be divided it's not possible We share fellowship together. So you see, we fellowship together and our fellowship must be understood so well that the fellowship is not to sin, but the fellowship is for sin. The fellowship is not to sin. No, but the fellowship is for sin. So sin must not break the fellowship. And that is what Jesus introduced in Matthew 18. When he said forgive 70 times seven. In other words let go and forgive because sin should not break our fellowship that is why Apostle Paul will look at them and tell them how do you take your brother to court in in Corinthians and then you begin to speak about the communion do you know why you take the communion the body was broken into pieces and you are the pieces gathered together that's why when we take communion the pastor must hold the bread and everybody takes a piece of the bread why Because it is the broken body that has brought all of us together in one, in one, in one body. We stand together. You are my brother. You are my sister. What you go through, I go through. What your pain is, it's my pain. When you are rejoicing, I rejoice with you. Because what is yours now belongs to me as well. And so it's very key to understand. That when you talk about the church, you are talking about the family that share things in common. Because one person, Jesus Christ, was giving. Was giving. Jesus was giving. Jesus was giving. And that's how come you can't tell an unbeliever, give your life to Jesus. You don't understand the fellowship of the brethren. Because the guy you are asking to give their life to Jesus, don't have a life. How can a dead man have a life? Dead men only receive life. Dead men only receive life. So how can you tell them to give their life? Which one? So you you ask them to receive the life that has been given. and And then straight away they become part of the fellowship. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in receiving the son, that unbeliever is now received into fellowship with the brethren. Because he now is a brother. Because we have one common father. Praise God.